We're continuing our series on reflections on Psalms and Proverbs. It is the wisdom literature of the Old Testament. The wisdom literature is basically poetic. It, it is designed to teach wisdom. And we've been meditating on Psalms past few weeks. And today is the first Sunday we'll focus on a passage, actually, Proverbs chapter 9 and 10. Stan just read chapter 9 only, so we didn't have time to read the whole thing. But it is exciting, uh, not because of the length of the chapter, chapters, but because the richness of wisdom. And I am excited to share what God placed on my heart. Because this is our first time going through the Proverbs again, um, let's do a quick overview and make some preliminary observations about Proverbs. <clears throat> Proverbs is a book about wisdom. So if you look at Webster Miriam Dictionary, a typical uh, the definition will come like this, knowledge that comes from many experiences, which means the famous saying, learn and live. So you run into the wall, you learn how to not to run into the wall. You get hurt. So that's the kind of wisdom. The biblical wisdom is actually different. We could actually, instead of live and learn, biblical wisdom is that too, but we could actually go to the source of wisdom and learn and live. Eugene Peterson defines wisdom this way. It is the art of living skillfully in whatever actual conditions we find ourselves. You're arguing with your, with your spouse and you know The argument is unreasonable. For you to have wisdom, to know and to have discretion in how best to respond to that situation. Secondly, Proverbs is often referred to as collections of short wise sayings and that are generalized generalized truth. So this is important for us to understand and interpret Proverbs. It is generalized truth, not promises. The uh, chapter ten later we're gonna take a look at that. The Lord will not let the righteous will go hungry. That's usually true. General observation. But Apostle Paul was hungry. Beaten. So when you take a look at Proverbs and almost take it as a promise, is a wrong approach to it. But if you look at, this is what will of God in the life really works. And you become wiser into that. Okay. 
Oh, by the way, short wise sayings is usually the parallelism. So we're going to actually, chapter 10 is all about that. Take examples on that. Parallelism like this. One of, them, one of them would be a phrase and then another phrase that clarifies. Synonymous parallelism. A phrase, and that is very different from the first phrase. Antithetical the parallelism. It clarifies each other. The, those are main two, two things. And then the other one is um, a different form of those parallelism we're going to take a look at. So because of that, the wise sayings waste no words. Each word is crafted carefully. And that's why it's memorable. Thirdly, it is mainly two sections in Proverbs. Mainly, it's, uh, we refer to the author as Solomon, King Solomon. But King Solomon did not write everything. King Solomon collected a lot of uh, his own wisdom writings and, and the short sayings. And Hiskia and other kings collected. See, these collections of uh, those writings in Starts with chapter 10, actually. But chapter 1 through 9 is a father's teaching to son. My son, listen to me. And of course, there's another personification of the wise, and they call the wisdom as the lady wisdom shouts out in the street. So the introduction, how to really prepare, understand the wisdom. And chapter 10 through 31 is actually those sayings. And lastly, it's important and helpful for us to know a few key terms uh, for character types. The two most famous words is a fool and the wise. The fool and the wise. But uh, among the fools, there are different type of fools. Number one, the simple is a... in other words, simpleton, which means we, they are undecided. Uh, they could go either way, easily influenced by folly as well as by wisdom. So when the, wis- the lady wisdom calls and lady follies calls, it calls for the simpletons. Number two, the fool is willfully Go against God's way recklessly, willfully and recklessly. The scoffer, it takes one step further. Scoffer is, isn't that interesting? That when scoffer hears God's will, they scoff. (laughs) I I don't know how to scoff. (laughs) Like that. Um, Wise in his own eyes, in her own eyes, and prideful, unbendable, Unteachable, I know what's best and right for me. That's scoffer. If you don't decide simple, when you're simple, most likely default, because of decaying world, you're going to become full. And if you don't do anything about turning away, there's hope for the fools. But you continually lean towards to become a scoffer, Scofford is hardened, 
unchangeable. The term wise, when you think about the wise, and even you look at movie, uh, movies and uh, film, wise is old men or old woman, maybe long beard, dispenses wisdom to those who, who need it, right? And Proverbs' picture is very different. The wise is one who goes after, pursues after wisdom, who's hungry for learning, who's hungry for discretion, who welcomes rebukes. In light of Proverbs, the worldly difference, I mean the difference from the worldly wisdom at the center of it, that's God's will. This wise person embraces God's will as how the, the life works. And eager and teachable to learn and live, as I mentioned before. Now, let's take a chapter 9. And feel free to open your Bible there. Because we're going to go through this rather quickly. Ask uh, four different questions. What are the reasons? What is the invitation? The reasons for the beginning of the wisdom is a fear of the Lord. Uh, verse nine and verse, uh, chapter 9 and 10. Verse 10 is our key verse. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is inside. Chapter 1, verse 7, has a very similar uh, saying. The, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. What are the reasons? There are a few reasons. Number one, if the Lord, this is a Yahweh Lord, covenant God, if He alone is indeed the creator and originator of all truth and all things, and everything came out of Him, the source of wisdom is God Himself. So the problem of worldly wisdom is not that worldly wisdom is always wrong. A lot of it is correct. And it makes sense. And being street smart works really well. But in the long run, in God's sovereignty, God brings judgment and justice. And it will always come to what God designed. God is all-powerful, all-knowing. He knows every single secret motive we have. And there will be a time that He will judge us. If that is really true, if there is such a person who exists in the world, in this universe, and there was nothing before Him, that He created heavens and earth, you and me, 
truth and love. All good things came out of him. Being smart, a worldly street wise, you could be also fool. That's a proverb saying. In other words, simpletons are not necessarily uneducated people who are have low IQs. And the fools are not just people who really don't care. Fools could have PhDs. Scoffers have, could be a billionaires. Very reasonably sound-minded people like you and me. So once you fear the Lord, the true lens opens up. And this is the truth about how life works. That's why it, be, it begins the um, beginning of the wisdom. Sinclair Ferguson has a very short but a very insightful definition of fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord, he says, is a right recognition of God. If you wrongly recognize God, as the Hollywood movies portrays, as a someone who is imperfect, cranky, and like you and me, we, we get angry, we're not treated well, that kind of God, obviously the wrong, wrongful recognition of God, leads you to nothing, but become more prideful on your own. I'd rather go my way. But right recognition of God, God as a sovereign God, God as a holy God, God as a loving God who gave his only begotten son for us. And that God becomes the beginning point of our true understanding. What about its invitation? Verse 1, wisdom has built her house. She has horn in uh, her seven pillars. She has slurted her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young woman to call from the highest places in, town, in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. In verse 11, For by me your days will be multiplied and your, your years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. Isn't it interesting that Lady Wisdom doesn't hide her invitation? It's not exclusive invitation. It's not, you don't have to be BIP. It's not hidden at all. And it's open to whoever is simple. Now another way of looking at it is whoever admits 
that I lack wisdom. That's the actual expression of it. As Jesus mentioned in Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who acknowledge their spiritual bankruptcy without God. For they are, the kingdom of God is theirs. Why? Without that recognition of our own brokenness, without recognition of our own need for wisdom, we will not go to that invitation. Because we're fine. But by the way, sin nature by default is it autonomy. So the word autonomy is a really philosophically really dangerous word. Autonomy is I alone exist for myself apart from God. The invitation promises wisdom's bread and wine. In other words, this is Literal satisfaction, not just intellectual satisfaction, but it it's good for your soul. There's a satisfaction, godly satisfaction is there. So when you read the Bible, you just finish reading and meditating, you haven't improved a single bit, does it at all? But your outlook and your heart is strengthened. You could face the reality of the world head on. Better. But notice, it is subtle, but it is clear the invitation requires us of repentance from our sinful ways. In order to come, the Lady Wisdom says, leave your simple ways. And the New Testament language is repent and trust in the name of Jesus. You can't really continue to go your way and I want to learn things. In all for his life, and not only uh, in, in Proverbs, it is primarily, I mean, first at, at first when you look at it, it's a physical life. When you follow God's will and you, you fear the Lord, you will prolong your life because you're not going to do stupid things. But if you look at the wisdom in general, it means also spiritual life. It leads to the right relationship with God and the richness of God's presence and joy in the Lord. How about, what, are the, what is the distraction? Because it, it's a contrasting. Verse 1 through 12 is a lady, wisdom, shouts out, gives out invitation. In verse 13 through 18, there's another lady called Folly. The woman, Folly, oh, by the way, when I'm reading, try to notice the differences and Similarities of that invitation. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. 
she takes a seat at the highest place of the town, calling those who pass by, who are going going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet. Bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the, the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol, the place of death. The similarity is Lady Folly's invitation is inclusively to everyone, to anyone, whoever wants to come. I guess a little bit different. Did you notice that? This lady is loud. Attention getting. The picture I'm flashing in my imagery is the Las Vegas. When you walk into the, those fancy uh, casino hotels, it's just mind-boggling, right? Loud, attractive, popular, appealing. It promises immediate gratification and openly enticing pleasures and luring the simple to the crooked ways. The difference is this. She requires nothing. Actually, not knowing. The requirement is for you not to think about the end result. Be blind, deny, eat and drink and be merry because tomorrow you're going to die anyway. Who cares about tomorrow? Well, that's dangerous. Yeah, people say it's dangerous. But you know what? No one really, really knows. Go sit with her. Go sit with him. Have another drink. After all, you feel things when you're with her, don't you? After all, you feel very attractive and beautiful when he flatters you. Check it out. Explore more. You don't have to go all the way. The end result, or it could be literal physical death also too. But it's a deadness of soul continually going through the slippery slope of deadening soul, the state of spiritual deadness. Separation from God. Ultimately, being eternally separated from God. Would you remember this? How to fear of the Lord. And the biblical principle number one is to think about end result of whatever the action you're doing. Not in the meantime, not in the middle way, What will this bring? For example, going back to that argument with your spouse. If I say this thing, oh, he's going to get it. She's going to feel the hurt. 
And I'm going to feel victorious this time. But end result is our marriage will go downhill even more. And we're going to have to do harder work to come back. End result is we're going to displease God. Do I actually fear the Lord as if God is here watching me? Think about that. So, let's go to the requirement this time. Verse 7 through 9. Interesting. This is a parallelism, basically. Verse 7. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abused. You know what that means? Literally getting hit. Or brother abuse. Kind of thing. And he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, he will increase in learning. Who do you see as yourself? Are you the person who actually become feisty? Shoots back whenever someone gives you some kind of sharp feedback or correction? Or are you the person who actually welcomes? So glad that you took the time and cared for me. And some of you might say, Paul, you know, at our work, you know, my boss is so messed up. He, he's just so negative. Yes, maybe 80, 90% could be junk. But there's a 10, 20%. Are you afraid of the bones in the fish? that you cannot eat the fish. You take the bones out. Or maybe more, uh, some of you, a meat eater, take the bones out of carby and eat that juicy meat. Let me summarize in four ways. Requirement to go enter into this beginning of the wisdom. We must Give heed to the invitation of wisdom. Be attentive. Another way of looking at it is scripture. Every day, am I attentive? Do I give heed to the scripture? Secondly, we must be vigilant against the seductive invitation of folly. All around us, people are smart in their own ways, wise in their own eyes. They give you tips, (coughs) especially at the beginning of the year. So many people will give us how to lose weight shortcut without exercising, without not dieting or anything, right? The seductive invitations. 
to be able to sort it out. Become vigilant. Number three, we must humbly accept reproof and instruction of wisdom. Here's a one quick application suggestion for that. Next time when you hear sharp rebuke or correction, and you immediately sense where did this come from, but that person might have a true motive or whatnot. But before we jump into the conclusion, how about having this posture of teachability and saying, thanks for the feedback. Can I take that and I'm going to pray about it? Can I do that? And you could actually do that. And you could actually ask and having gone through discernment and prayer, and you really come out, this is an illegitimate uh, feedback, you could actually share with a godly friend, someone who fears God. Do you, do you see any legitimacy, any truth in this? And the friends who fear God will say, that's toxic, throw it away, don't look at it again. Don't look at that email. Don't look at that letter. Don't look at, don't hear that comment. Some of you say, there is, if I become truly honest, there's a slight truth in that. And lastly, we must fear the Lord by rightly recognizing God humbly. Oswald Chambers have this great quote. I like this so much, I posted on Facebook this morning before I came here. The remarkable thing about God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas, if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. How true is that? So now, we're done with chapter 9. Now we're going into chapter 10. Chapter 10 is a 32 verses. What we're going to do, we're going to actually take a bird's eye view and over, see the overview. And there is, as I mentioned, that chapter 1 through 9 is an introduction to the wisdom, right? The chapter 10, actually, the wise sayings are there. So we're going to actually see a lot of those parallelism. But there's so many. So what I did in my study, I categorized, and color-coded, and started thinking about this belongs here. And I came up with the five categories. In chapter 10 only, this is not entire book of Proverbs, but in light of chapter 10, these are key characteristics of the wise. And because of antithetical um, parallelism versus the characteristics of the fools. Okay, here's the first one. A wise person is a joy and blessing to others. Verse 1 in chapter 10. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. 
True. I have four sons. Verse 5, he who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. Verse 12, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Isn't that great? I think even just writing some of these things down, Carrying around, you know, throughout the day and look at it. And better yet, we have a, you know, smartphones that we could actually con- put it into note and continuously, continuously look at it and meditate, memorize some of them. If you and I are wise, we're joy, not only to in our own wa- in lives, we're joy and blessing to others around us. Number two characteristic. A wise person is teachable and welcomes correction and instruction. We saw some of that already in chapter 9. And this one is more, more sayings. Look at, let's look at a few of them. <clears throat> Verse 8, the wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. Verse 14, the wise lay up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool brings ruin near. Verse 17, whoever heeds instruction is on the path of life, but he who who rejects reproof leads others astray. Verse 23, doing wrong is like a joke to a fool, but wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. I don't know about you, whenever I read those things, I get glimpses of really the visuals in our days. These ancient writings and wisdom, because this is God's word. Do you guys ever see that? Because of social media, we're more open and quickly available those things and um, see the, in, the, in the East Coast there's a teenager's brutal joke uh, going behind someone and smash them in one hit and knock it down knock them down and laugh and run away what kind of sick world is that it's it's a doing wrong is like a joke to a fool. So there was a, just a little bit of unmerciful satisfaction that when I saw this old grandma was knocked down and she had a gun and she just shoot one of them and died. A wise person is teachable and welcomes correction and instruction. Know this. Our default mode, we become defensive. When you become wiser, 
you are easy, getting easier to teach. You're trying to teach someone, it's very difficult, unteachability. You're trying to teach someone, that person is like a sponge, it makes you feel like you're a good teacher, that person is wise. When you open your Bible, eh, what else is new? I read this before. Same old boring thing. You're a simpleton. You don't know what's good. But when you read like a child and expectant with heart and trust and you chew on it and become sweeter than honey in your mouth and you're becoming wiser. Number three characteristic of the wise is marked by integrity and righteous character. And Proverbs often does that to substitute the word wise with the righteous, um, the person who walks in integrity, which sim- simply points to, the, to the, the end result, the outcome and the fruit of fearing God. When a person fears God, he will not live on the surface, pleasing people, maintaining, managing image, public image, but integrity. Integrity means when you look at every single direction, that person is the same. In public, private, upside down, same. Righteous means that person is not perfect, but lives according to God's will. Values God's way. Do you notice that? It's the most verses I could uh, I was able to categorize into this category. In other words, we could look at it as our spiritual growth in there. First two. Treasures are gained, treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. Verse three. The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry. But he thwarts the craving of the wicked. Verse 6. Blessings are the head of the righteous, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. The motives of violence. Verse 7. The memory of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. 24. What the wicked dreads will come upon him, but the desire of the righteous will be granted. Verse 25, when the tempest, hardship, storms passes by, passes, the wicked is no more, but the righteous is established forever. 27, the fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. 28, the hope of the righteous Brings joy, 
and the expectation of the wicked will perish. 29. The way of the Lord is a stronghold to the blameless, but destruction to the evil evildoers. And finally, verse 30. The righteous will never be removed, but the wicked will not dwell in the land. So the point, the lesson that we need to take is, instead of moralistic commitment, I got to do that right now. No, I need to fear the Lord. I need to live in fellowship with God, walk with God, and lean on the Holy Spirit that I could become more man and woman of integrity and character. Inside out, not outside in. Start with the iceberg, bottom of the iceberg. Number four characteristic is a wise person is able to control one's speech to edify others. Verse 11, the mouth of righteous, righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Twelve, hatred stirs up strife, but the love covers all. I think I, sorry, I, 12 is not that, that was my mistake. Verse 13, on the lips of him who has understanding, wisdom is found, but rod is for the back of him who lacks sense. Verse 19 through 21, when words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. The tongue of the rich, righteous is choice silver. Oh, I like that. Have you ever heard just right timing and right word? And that was just what you really need to hear. May we speak choice silver to others. The heart of the wicked is the little of little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. Verse 31 to 32, mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is per, per, uh, perverse. Now, finally, fifth and last characteristics. Uh, by the way, about those words, one of the most difficult things to control is our tongue. So building our church life and doing community life, we ought to be awfully conscious and careful and discerning and vigilant about how we use words. How we know when to keep our mouth shut. 
If you try to explain yourself too much, you sin no more. I mean, sin even more. Let God handle vindication. Resist those temptations to indulge in sharing others' prayer requests in the name of prayer requests. Close to borderline of gossips. Sometimes blatantly gossips. Final number five is wise person is diligent and hardworking. Oh, this is a generation we need to pay attention to this. Because uh, ours is a generation who are so smart in our own ways that everything has to be shortcut. It's starting with me. How can I finish this project most efficiently? I'm not saying we do, we do it inefficiently, intentionally. And I'm saying with this takes sweat, a lot of work, and I'm going to go at it. Mothering takes a lot of work. Fathering takes a lot of work. Let's not wait for, look for shortcuts and become lazy about it. Spiritual life, spiritual vitality needs vigorous training. It doesn't come easily. Verse 4, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Verse 5, he who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. We use that for uh, joy and blessing to others, but it applies here also. Verse 15, a rich man's wealth is his strong city. Poverty of the poor is their ruin. And I love verse 16. Like a vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is a slugger, slugger to those who send him. Because you can't really trust him to finish and follow through. A slugger is not reliable. A slugger takes too long. So what do you think? All these things. I hope the message that you are getting is not, I got to try harder. No, I got to surrender my heart to God and be in the right relationship with God and walk with Him intimately. That's the message. So in light of that, I, I, I'm going to wrap up with John Piper's quote. Fearing God means that God is in your mind and heart so powerful, so holy, and so awesome that you would dare not to run away from Him, but only run to Him. In other words, fearing God is not another requirement. It's the way you, you do covenant keeping. It's the way you receive Jesus. It's the way you come to Jesus. You come reverently. You come humbly. You come without any presumption.
that you deserve anything or he owes you anything, you come trembling. As we saw in Psalm 51, you come with a heart that is broken and contrite. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Tremble if you ever feel any inclination to leave this God. There is, there is only destruction away from Him. Oh, how we should fear to leave the Lord and tremble in His presence that He would so graciously receive us, forgive our, all our sins, and make an everlasting future. So many people do not fear their carnal departures. They don't tremble. My prayer is that every single one of the people in this room will take the invitation of the wise. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. And if you are not a believer yet, I encourage you and give Extend our warmest invitation to receive Jesus Christ as the beginning point of your wisdom. For those of us who are walking with God, do not let your faith go stale, lest you become desensitized by the sovereign, powerful, holy God and His presence, His might, His judgment, and His mercy for us. May the Lord open our eyes. May He cause us fear God throughout 2014. Let's pray. Abba, Father, thank You for these reminders this morning as you look at a lot of those uh, wise sayings our heart is tucked in because our longing for you we pray against Satan's evil ones distraction that we pray that every single one of us will be embraced by your mercy to come boldly with right recognition of you and teach us to fear you and to live wisely and lead us into a life that is full and that is uh, peace and joy, and love. We pray all these things in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen.